0: Hey guys, Dean with the Two-Party Podcast. I just wanted to share uh, one of the platforms we use uh, for our podcast. Uh, It's called Anchor. Uh, It is a free platform. They have creation tools that allow you to record, edit uh, your podcast right from your phone or your computer. Um, Anchor will distribute your podcast on all the major platforms, Spotify, Apple, uh, most most, all the platforms that you want to reach, you can can reach through Anchor. So I encourage you guys to go check it out. Um, Again, it's free and it's called Anchor. Have a great day and we are on so this is dean with the two-party podcast i'm on here with jeremy bennett and um he's joining us today we're going to uh we're just going to basically pick his mind and see see uh see how he is who he is and and some of the things that he's into and interested in um he wants to share with the audience so jeremy go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself
1: Awesome. Yeah. It's great to be here, Dean. I uh, really appreciate you having me. Uh, my name is Jeremy Bennett. Basically what I do, I uh, travel throughout the country, Canada, where I'm from and United States, some, some places in the UK. And I do presentations on basically showing people how to calm their minds, react more calmly to challenging situations and live more in the present moment. And, um, you know, God knows we need that more now than ever. Amen. Our world's a mess. We're living in such incredibly uncertain times, and uh, you know, to be able to share this message means the world to me because, for years, I uh, I was you know one of the, the the people who had a very difficult time calming their minds. I was dealing with a lot of stress, a lot of anxiety. I'm sure we'll get into that in a little while, but uh, it was tough. It was difficult. And nowadays, I've used my journey to help other people, you know, show them practical techniques and practical methods to help them calm their mind, react more calmly to challenging situations and live more in the, for lack of a better word, peace and bliss of the present moment. So that's a little bit about who I am and what I do. It's
0: extremely, you know, it's funny you say that um, and, and wrapping up that, that intro statement is, it is so difficult for people to live in the moment. It is so hard for people to not live in the past or be focused on the future, um, uh, things that should happen or could happen um, versus literally just absorbing where you're at and what right at the moment, right in the moment. It, it's so difficult for people to get there.
1: Absolutely. And if you look at it, I mean, the average person has... Thousands of thoughts every single day. Mm-hmm. That's not every month or every year. Every single day, the average person has. I think thousands. I do it every minute. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, if you look at it, it wouldn't be so bad if it was, you know, good thoughts, right? You no, know, thinking about good things or you know, thinking about things that could potentially happen in the future that that would benefit us. But the reality is, uh, not every single one. But the reality is, a lot of these thoughts are not only the same thoughts we had yesterday, but they're dwelling on something bad in the past. So something negative, something we didn't mm-hmm. wanna happen, that happened, so we're dwelling on that, or we're fearing something that could potentially happen You know, tomorrow or in 10 minutes from now or in you know, 100 years from now. And that's where, you know, you know, including myself, I, I've been doing this 15 years. I'm far from perfect, far mm-hmm. from perfect when it comes to this realm of things. But, you know, that's where the majority of people, or I should say, a lot of people spend their time dwelling on something bad or fearing something that could potentially happen tomorrow. And, uh, you know, when we spend the majority of our time in our mind like that, you know, not so good things can happen.
0: hmm. Correct. I, I would agree. And and I, I've looked a little, a little bit about your story. Um, I, I've read a little bit, um, just, just what I could dig up online in, in some of the, uh, the, the places I could find you in social media and stuff. And um, one of the things that, that caught my eye was about OCD. Um, and I always, you know, I guess I guess you can say for, for many years growing up, and I'm 44, but, but growing up, there was, a, there was a time period between like the late 80s and the early 90s where OCD, the word, became like this household name, and like, you know, there was always a reason why, you know, oh, well, the reason I do it is because I have OCD, or, you know, um, there was, it, it just became one of those things, kind of like almost like attention deficit disorder just became a thing all of a sudden, and, and so tell me a little bit about your experience with OCD, tell me a little bit about your experience growing up and where that all ties in.
1: Dean, I can remember, and this is something I talk about in in my live presentations. Um, I can remember, believe it or not, my very first symptom of OCD. Um, It was grade seven. So I was 11, 12 years old. I think I was around 12 at the time. And I was playing ball hockey with the boys, you know, from Canada. Love our hockey here. I love it.
0: Yeah. It's like the only <laughs> sport I keep up with. Uh, bo- uh, fighting sports and hockey is all I care about. That's it. I, I don't watch men in tights football. I don't watch any of that stuff.
1: <laughs> I still I still play a little bit of ball hockey. I don't play ice hockey because right. I, I messed up my knee years ago. But a little yeah. bit of ball hockey once or twice a week. But uh, it was great. 7, 12 years old. Played ball hockey with the boys. Came home that night. And I couldn't get to sleep. And the reason why is because one of my dresser drawers was sticking out, you know, and maybe an inch or two or three Mm -hmm. inches uh, more than the rest. Never, never before. It wasn't a problem. Or has that ever, you know, (laughs) bothered me. And you know what? It wasn't anxiety or anything at the time. It was just like, why is this bothering me? Mm -hmm. You know, why can't I get to sleep? And eventually it was pestering, pestering enough to the point where I stood up and I walked over and I, I pushed in the drawer and it kind of, you know, it kind of, it was relaxing. It mm-hmm. kind of went away, that, that irritation. Didn't think anything of it. Went to sleep, went to school. Came back the next night, the same thing happened again. Dresser door was sticking out, just one of them, maybe not the same one, but one of them. Couldn't get to sleep. And I'm like, why is this happening? And it was pestering enough to the point, like the night before, I got up, walked over, pushed it in like magic. That feeling went away. As the weeks went on, especially in school, as the weeks went on, I started to do these these things I didn't understand. Now, keep in mind, OCD, like I was 12 yeah. years old. We didn't have the internet. We, we didn't right. have I don't think at that time. Uh, we did definitely didn't in my house. We didn't have a clue what OCD was. We barely knew what anxiety was. Right. So as the weeks and months went on, I started to catch myself doing these, these weird, you know, things. I started to walk over lines with my left foot first, just, you know, automatically. And if I didn't do that, I feel off. I'd feel, I didn't feel good. I started to put things on a 30 degree angle. I started to, you know, I started to count a lot of things and I, I can't stress enough. I didn't have a clue what was going on. Right. I did not know what OCD was. I didn't know what anxiety was. And as the months went on, the years went on, it became worse and worse and worse and worse uh, to the point where I was actually in Ontario for a couple of months uh, babysitting my nephew I was if I had to guess maybe 15 16 years old at the time and it was very very bad at that time it was you know consuming hours of my day and I still you know didn't know what OCD was Mm -hmm. and that that particular summer I lost almost 40 pounds in 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 two months and I came home back to Newfoundland and a lot of people thought I was extremely sick which I guess I, I I was but not in the way they thought I was right didn't know what OCD was at that time. Mm-hmm. And it was finally, it was grade 12. I, uh, my friend gave me a magazine. And in that magazine was a story, a, a girl, a girl's story who, you know, was doing all the same things I was doing. And I'm telling you, Dean, it, when, when I read that, and I read that she was tapping on things. Like, and she was that's tapping. me. I'm like, dear God, are you serious? And, I'm, you know, you hear the expression, you hear the expression, you know, I thought I was dreaming. I yes. swear, I swear to you, I thought I was dreaming, because at that point I was like five, six years in. I mm-hmm. it was consuming my day, like hours a day. And a it lot. was
0: different at that time. It was different things with you. It wasn't just the drawer. Now it had become well, new habits that be, that it, became
1: progressive. I, I couldn't even talk without repeating myself. You know, if right. I asked you if you were here in my presence, I said, Dean, Certain how you doing I'd, I'd say, Dean, how you doing? 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 Until my, you know, until my my body felt right. Until, until you got my, that part piece. Part Yep. exactly and it was everything it was repetition of everything it was checking the toaster the oven the door it was wow. walking back and forth over lines it was you know every time i'd say a sentence i'd have to repeat it over and over again so when i heard her story i like i almost had to pinch myself because i didn't know that this was like ninety nine, ninety eight, ninety nine. 98 99 yep. i didn't know there was somebody else in somebody the
0: else with the same situation
1: it was it was wild it wow. was wild. and then she eventually went on to say that she was diagnosed with something called obsessive compulsive disorder. And I'm like, Oh my God. I was like, well, maybe that's what I have. And I, you know, I, we didn't have Google at the time we did or actually, maybe at that time. We probably got the internet that year and it was, but it up. still wasn't that great yet. Yeah, and I exactly. And so I started <laughs> Googling these symptoms, which I don't recommend. Right, you, know, right. Doctor, you end up on all kinds schedule. of wild tangents, right? Exactly. You know, the average person, and, you know, and I'm the average person, you, we're not meant for that stuff. Leave that to the professionals. So eventually I did go to the doctor, which was a very, very tough decision, which was by far one of the best decisions I've ever made. And in all my presentations, you know, I tell people if you're suffering with anxiety or even overwhelming stress or whatever it is. Go see a professional. Yeah. That could be one Stay of them. away from Google. Yeah. <laughs> 100%. So I did eventually get diagnosed with a very severe form of obsessive compulsive disorder. And nowadays, you know, I, I, did what was, what was recommended and mm-hmm. it was a journey. It was a journey. And nowadays I can, you I can almost
0: have to, you almost have to reverse your, you're like you're almost relearning and reversing the things that you've done over
1: the course of so long. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And what I I eventually started doing once I started to break free of that, which is you know it's very very difficult. I was going to say
0: it must have been very painful for you.
1: It, to, it was to separate. try to fight these 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 things. Exactly, and it was a lot of exposure techniques. That's what did it for me mm-hmm. uh, under the recommendation of of the professionals I was seeing. And but after that, you know what 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 was unique is that after I put that what I call that monster behind me, I started to realize that there were so many other things that I still suffered with that, that was not related to OCD, but was related to stress and anxiety. Mm-hmm. You know, things like, you know, taking things personally was, yeah. was big for me. If somebody didn't like me, if somebody didn't like my accent, where I grew up, my friends, my family, whatever mm-hmm. it was that, that would, that would kill me. You dwell would on it. Absolutely kill me. Yeah. I hated it. I hate it. it would, I would just I dwell on it and it'd keep me up at night. And so little things like that, or not being able to relax before bedtime, or you know, constantly dwelling on something I didn't want to happen that happened, or constantly fearing something that happened, or, or that I didn't want to happen. You know, all these little things and you know, needless arguments. So I said to myself, you know what? Once I started to put the OCD behind me, which was definitely a process i said maybe i can start to tackle those kind of issues and that then i went on another journey and then i became you know a student of the mind i started to read every single self help book i could possibly get my hands on <laughs> i ended up getting a, a degree in psychology you know just to understand the basics, the, the yeah, very and, basics and of the and
0: i them. think that's important. important i mean you kind of almost yeah. uh, for people that have these disorders i think you almost have to learn these things it, it's almost like if you don't you don't really understand the basics or the fundamentals of it
1: yeah exactly. So I, I did that I went to St Francis Xavier University in Nova Scotia and uh, for 4 years got a degree there and then I just became this you know this student of the mind and and, and being you know wanting to study how do people calm their minds? How, you know one thing that really caught me off guard is that you see these people who for instance just off the top of my head if they get into a car accident and they become paralyzed and you look at them and you know a month or two or three down the road they're still smiling. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I'm looking at my, whatever my issue was at the time, some, some petty issue. And I'm like, they're smiling. And I'm like, I'm living this in my head of whatever yeah. it was, what you know, whatever the issue was. Yeah. And I'm like, how did they get to that place? Right. How did they get to that place? And then it was... Uh, in terms of being happy, even though they 're faced with you know this gigantic gigantic mm-hmm. uh, troublesome issue, and so I just started to, to to research and research and research and I was introduced to the World Organization of Natural Medicine and I studied under them and my brother 's a doctor, so he helped me out and you know it was just this big whirlwind of all kinds of different sources and um, so that 's what I do now so i don 't help people with the OCD side but it's, I help people with calming their minds. Um, and react more calmly to to challenging or uncertain situations, and basically, I show them how to live in that 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 peace and bliss of, of the present moment.
0: I think I think it's it's what you the latter portion of what you're saying. It's truly amazing, and and I can personally attest to this. It's truly amazing what our thoughts uh, can truly do to us, and can truly do for us. And I mean that in the aspect of. Um, and I used to call it, I had, I, I've been, I've been through counseling and stuff myself and, and uh, what, what we would term stinking thinking. And, and you, you literally think about like sometimes you can really think negative stuff and be stuck in a hole or depressed or just really in a low point in your life. And then sometimes I can re- even reflect on my own life and look back at times where I was in a low point. And then I can look at where I kind of, where I'm at nowadays, even, even though things aren't exactly perfect, I think better. I, I think more, uh, not, not so much I think successfully, but I think more, uh, I, I look at both sides of the good and the bad or the positive negatives of everything nowadays. I guess I analyze a little better, um, but, but it's interesting how our thoughts can truly just, just destroy us or they can truly set us up for success um in in every moment not just in in future or past but they they can literally help us in like we discussed earlier in the moment that we're in succeed um what is something like like as far as you what's one of the like how could you i guess bring out the thoughts like like what's like one of the most powerful things you can say about like human thought and mind with
1: with what you've studied one of the, the biggest, certainly wasn't my discovery, but one of the biggest things I've, I've come to learn along the way is that certain parts of the brain, your brain, my brain, all of mm-hmm. our brain, certain parts of the brain has a very difficult time distinguishing between something real in reality, something that's mm-hmm. legitimately, genuinely happening, and a mere thought. So I'll give you an example. Like in all my presentations and my books, I, I, I love to give a lot of examples because people can relate to it. Yep. So let's say, for instance, if um, you know somebody very close to you, say, let's say your child or a friend or whoever it may be, that person can be literally two feet in front of you, completely safe watching TV. You know they're safe. 100% mm-hmm. you are one, convinced they are safe, which they are. If you think about them, you don't even have to close your eyes. But if you think about them getting into a very bad car accident, and you mm-hmm. really kind of dwell on that thought, even though you know they're safe, consciously yep. you're looking at them, you know they're safe. If you dwell on that thought, them getting into a car accident, chances are you're going to feel that somehow. You're probably right. going to feel a lump in the pit of your stomach. You're probably maybe even sweat a little. It's impactful. Exactly. And the reality is that that's happened. You know, Your heart heartbeat is going to raise a little bit. The, why that's happening is that because, like I said, the brain has a very difficult time distinguishing between something real and a thought. At least certain parts of the brain, certain mm-hmm. parts of the brain. So when we look at that, and we look at, you know, I ask people all the time, where do we spend our time in our heads? I'm Most a thinker. Time, I'm exactly. a thinker.
0: I spend all my time up here. Even my wife tells me I don't even hear her half the
1: time. <laughs> and and that's the thing, you know, we're all guilty of that, you know we spend so much time dwelling on bad stuff or fearing bad stuff. So if the brain, it doesn't have to be happening right now for the body to feel a reaction. So like we we talked about just now, if the thought, if, if the thoughts that we're thinking were good thoughts, it wouldn't be so bad. Mm-hmm. But it, usually it's not. It's yep. dwelling on a bad day we had yesterday, or fearing what could, you know, potentially happen next week. If, you know, the, the world is going to come to an end, or it's going to be a hurricane, or it's, you know, I can't pay the mortgage, or whatever that may be. Yep. So. It wouldn't be so bad if it was good thoughts, but the reality is usually it's not. And if the brain, certain parts of the brain has a very difficult time distinguishing between what's real and thoughts, you know, what's, and we're having thousands of thoughts every day, yeah. you know, what's the, what is that going to do to our health? If, if we're constantly in that, mm-hmm. what's called a fight or flight response, when, you know, for the most part, we should only be in that fight or flight response when we're in some kind of danger, right? If we're sitting down in front of Facebook or Twitter, and we're thinking all these bad things or fearing these bad things. We're not in any danger, yeah. you know, but the body says, Oh my God, you, this, whatever you're thinking about is happening right now. And. You know, that's where a lot of people, including myself, you know, nobody's perfect. We, a lot of people spend their time in, in that headspace. And that's what I help people break that cycle, you know, to get out of that headspace and, and to experience the present moment.
0: Yeah. And I'm one of those, like, I, I'm a deep deep and I'm, and I, I, I'm not, I guess not to brag, but I'm a very intellectual type person. I have mm-hmm. to read stuff. I have to have knowledge. I have to have facts. Um, I, I can't take things for, for face value sometimes. So I'm a deep thinker in stuff, and, and, and that's how I've always been. And so I, I'm exactly what you just explained. I, sometimes I'm looking at, like, how is this meeting going to go next week? How is this going to um, – I, I do construction. I'm a general contractor. How is this project going to go? And I, I look at all the good, the bad, the ugly. Is the house going to cave in? What's going to go on? Um, and and, and it's, sometimes it's, it's healthy thought of, of healthy processing, and some of it obviously
1: is not healthy. It's
0: just yeah. not good.
1: Yeah. And it's so true. And uh, you know, like I said, we're all guilty of that. Mm-hmm. We spend so much time, so much time in the head. And when we're living in our head so often, and, and you probably know the subject very well, the more and more we think about something, whether it's a good thought or a bad thought, mm-hmm. we have a place in our brain that literally is going to train our eyes to mm-hmm. focus on more of those things that, that kind of meet that energy. For, ex- yep. for instance, you know, if you buy a new car, what's, what's the second you buy a new car, what happens? You start to see that car everywhere. Uh-huh. Everywhere you go, it's on the freeways, on the highways, and people's parking lots and driveways. And you're like, does everybody own this car? You're like, <laughs> I didn't notice these cars before. And the reality is, you saw the cars, you just didn't register them. You didn't mm-hmm. notice them. Because the second you buy a car, You're constantly thinking about it, right? Constantly. Yep. So you're, you have a place in your brain called your reticular activating system, which trains your eyes to focus on things that you're concentrating on. So you know that's why positive people are attracted to positive people. Negative people are attracted to negative people. People who gossip are attracted to other people who gossip. People who like sports are attracted to other people who like sports. You know, I say this all the time. The people who complain the most are usually the people who actually have the most to complain about because that's mm-hmm. not coincidental. Right. we are constantly complaining and thinking about that negativity, we're training our eyes to see opportunities that, that reinforce that. And we can only act upon those opportunities that we're aware of. So if we're constantly thinking all these bad things, mm-hmm. we're, gonna be, we're gonna literally be attracted to the bad things. And, you know, we're all guilty of it. You know, the, vice versa, if we're constantly thinking positive things, we're going to be attracted to and notice and register more positive people and positive things. It's just, just the way the human body works.
0: And, and you bring up, um, in, in one of the emails that, that you had sent me, and I want to bring this up to the audience, you bring up a, a really good thing. And that, that's what I keep catching my eye, if you, if you notice me looking over.
1: Mm-hmm. Um,
0: there, there's, a ver- there's a misunderstanding that situations cause us to feel certain ways. And, and you say, but, but that's not quite the case, is it? You ask that question. Tell me a little bit about that because that's an interesting statement in itself.
1: That's something I, I suffered with for so many years of my life. So we look at it, a lot of the time, a lot of people believe that a particular situation can basically cause somebody to feel a certain way. But the reality is this, it's, it's not so much the situation it's your reaction to the situation. So I know that sounds easy and it sounds simple, but mm-hmm. you know, in order to really, really grasp it it, it, it takes a little bit of digging. So what I mean is this, you know, if situations caused, let's say stress, for instance, everybody would react to the same situation in the same exact way. You, would you think, know, you, right. could, you could love roller coasters and I, I hate them, which I do, I don't like roller coasters. <laughs> so if, it, if, it was, if it was the situation that caused the stress, you would and you would love roller coasters? I would have to love it, right? Right. It's the same situation, but it's two different psychological reactions. You could absolutely I'll give you another example. Let's say my best friend, I I love my best friend. My best friend may have done something to you 10 years ago. You hate that person, right? right. So it's the same. If if that if he walks in and we're you know chatting right now. I I feel warmth and love towards that person, you feel hatred, right? It's the same situation. We're exposed to the same thing, but it's two different psychological reactions. So what we need to understand is that it's not so much the situation, but it's more so our individual perception of it, our individual reaction to it. So in other words, we don't always have to change the situation. Now, sometimes Mm -hmm. it's good. Sometimes we want to, sometimes we need to. But we don't always have to change the situation. We just need to change how we react to it. And that, that makes all the difference in the world. All
0: it does. It does. And, and it, that's a good point. I, I know several of my friends and even family, you know, and, I, and like I said, I've been through counseling most all of my life. I had, a, I had a pretty crazy childhood. My mom was was blessed as a single mother to be able to get us into counseling. Um, I, I thank her for that. Um, and then even when I got older, even in my 20s, I went through a lot of counseling. Um, so I feel like although I'm not a professional and I'm not good, sometimes I feel like I've got better coping skills than a lot of people ever got. Um, and so a lot of my friends come to me for advice and stuff because they know I'm I'm a little more, I guess, uh, better at giving the advice and telling them how to cope. And sometimes in my life, I don't, but I try to give them that advice. Um, and one of the things I always say is exactly what you just said is, um, how you react to the things that you're presented is, it's going to change your whole world. And I, and I've told a lot of my friends, like you can, you can sit there and get mad. Somebody can flip you off, cuss you out, and you can get extremely pissed off and mad about it. And I've even done it, literally laughed at it, just haha, whatever, uh, not even, don't even worry me or care in the world that you're flipping me off, you know, and people are like, how in the world are you reacting to that response that way. And I, I've literally just learned that, uh, for one, I, 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 I met a point in my life at 44 years old, I, I've lived through so much hell as a, as a young man and a child and the things I remember growing up, very dysfunctional childhood. Uh, where I'm at now, I want to be happy in life. Uh, I, I've decided that probably in my mid-30s, I finally decided, uh, I guess I started to reach that plateau where I, I guess adulting comes in, and I decided what is my goal as being an adult? I want to be happy. Um, so I, I stopped reacting to to things that come at me that that maybe most people in, in an immediate emotional response may react in an, in an immediate emotional response way. I see it, and I stop even in that moment, in that very second, and I, I just is that how I want to react? Is that how I want to retain the information that I'm reacting to? And I, I'm one that I catch that a lot. And, and so what I'm hearing you say is exactly, it's almost like stuff I've already been kind of working on. So I, it makes me think I'm almost on the right track, if that makes any sense. Like maybe I'm just going in the right direction, or maybe it's just me and you are just going the wrong direction and everyone else is doing the right, right? <laughs> um, but, but I find that interesting because... Um, on a personal level, you know, uh, there was many years, like you discussed, there was many years where I used to take things personally. I have friends right now that are probably listening to this show right now. I have friends that I used to, they used to hate me. They wouldn't invite me to parties because I was the kid that would get rowdy at a party, show up, and I'd steal the damn keg from the party and beat someone up on my way out leaving. And and so I was that jerk. And so there, you know, there was many years where I was just a jerk. I was just I was just a complete jerk. But at the same time, even when I wasn't a jerk, um, sometimes my reactions for being a jerk was because of how I felt someone felt about me personally, uh, or how I perceived or took it. Um, and and come to find out later, after a few years down the road, you know, me and that same person come to find out they were they liked me the whole time. It was my own perception. Um, so so I mean, I, I see I, I just see like where this all ties in as a, as a personal connection um as well like how we perceive things personally on a personal level
1: absolutely and if you look at it i mean so many people and and i always stress this you know uh, even though i've been talking about this for almost 15 years yeah nobody's perfect nobody's perfect Mm -hmm. Um, a lot of the times we take so many things personally that we shouldn't and i'll give you an example you know if somebody doesn't like you or me or whoever it is, if somebody doesn't like you for your accent or where you come from or what kind of clothes you wear or your sexuality or, you know, how you grow, whatever it may be, yeah. your family, your friends, whatever it is, something that should, somebody should not have a problem with, it's very easy to take it personally. And one thing I teach in, in my books and my seminars is that there is this technique that, you know, it, it sounds simple, but it takes time and practice and dedication. What we need to understand in order to get to a place, if somebody doesn't like us for no good reason, to get to a place where we we stop taking that personally, what we need to understand is why people behave and think the way they think. So picture this, if somebody has a problem with you, what we need to understand is that the vast majority of the time, and I'm not gonna shout out a number because I don't know the particular number, but mm-hmm. the vast majority of the time, we all kind of act on autopilot, you know, it's, and, and what shaped us throughout our entire lifetime, what we read, what we were exposed to our yeah. friends or family, you know, whoever we listened to, whoever had that authority over us, every single little last experience, you know, the thousands, even the millions, every little last experience we've ever experienced shaped us into who we are today. So when somebody got a problem with you, for no reason, what we need to understand is, you know, why are they thinking that? Why are they judging? Why are they ridiculing? And the reality is we're never going to understand every single la- little last experience they've went through. So we got to, you know, get that out of the door. That's yeah. not going to happen. We're not going to get inside their head. But what we need to understand is that those experience helped helped shaped, uh, shaped their beliefs and shaped their values. So the reality is this when somebody got a problem with you, a lot of people may look at the person and say, you know, why do they have to think, why, why do they have to do that? Why do they have to behave like that? And the reality is they simply can't snap their fingers and, and stop judging or stop ridiculing or start, stop hating. And the example I give people to show them that, you know, it's a lot harder than they think. I look at them and I, and I ask them, I say, well, think about your favorite food right now. I mean, you know, it's pizza or ice cream or whatever it is. And I say, okay, hate that food. Just, just absolutely hate it. Mm-hmm. And they're like, well, I can't because I love it. And then I say, exactly. Well, that person who's judging you or hating you or ridiculing you or whatever it is, they can't snap their fingers and stop that craving, stop that urge, stop that desire. Because everything they've ever been exposed to is shaping how they're reacting to you right now just like you can't hate your favorite food or love a food you hate, they can't snap their fingers and just, just stop that cycle is a lot harder. So what we need to realize is that when people don't like somebody for no good reason, it's a projection. And I know we hear that word all the time, but it's a mm-hmm. projection of how they're feeling. Now, if, if, if I did something to somebody and they hate me, you know, different story. Right. But if somebody's just hating you or doesn't like the, where you come from, or your accent or something meaningless, some, mm-hmm. something somebody should not have an issue with, it's really a projection of how they feel because a peaceful mind wouldn't ridicule or judge or hate for no reason. Right. So that's what we got to understand. You know, people, all of us, we're we're all for the most part acting on autopilot, mm-hmm. shaped by the the thousands of things we've experienced over the years. So when we realize that, not and I say it all the time, not so much in our head, but but you know, kind yeah. of down in our heart. In when, heart, heart. when it yeah. becomes second nature, then we can look at those people and say, you know what. It's nothing to do with me. It's right. nothing to do with me. If you got a problem with me for no reason, it's nothing to do with me. And I'm not saying you know tell them that, but just to know it, just to know it, yep. and and it can really make a big difference. And I've known people who started to use that, and I'm telling you, it it absolutely changed their lives, especially in in the days of social media, right. because it, all it takes is seconds is to open up oh, Facebook, yeah. Twitter, and see this this polarizing comment that is so outlandish to the viewer, Mm -hmm. the one reading it, it's like, how could they think that The meeting's crazy. And it drives them crazy, right? But if we realize that, you know, we didn't live the life that they're living. We, We didn't have all those experiences. We didn't hang around who they hung around. And the reality is when we're judging that comment, the person judging the comment could be wrong. I could right. be completely wrong when I read something and say, that's driving me crazy. How You know, we don't know who's right or wrong a lot of the times. So when we realize that usually it is a projection of that person, you know, we can, we can stop taking it, taking it personally. And it's a process. It doesn't happen overnight, but uh, it's certainly a process.
0: For sure. So so it, 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 basically environmental, I mean, you're, what you're disca- describing here sounds to me like completely environmental, our, our upbringing, our, our everything we've been exposed to, like you said, um, is really just an environmental thing has, has created these, uh, I guess, these false pretenses and that the projection basically is um, basically, like you said, they're projecting uh, kind of an emotion that maybe they don't know how to express even. is that Does that make sense or am I off?
1: Yeah, well, it, it's, I, I wouldn't say it's totally 100% environmental, but a lot of the time it is. It's, it's basically what has shaped them over the years. Mm-hmm. You look at, I'll give you an example, you know, we're living in, in a time right now where, you know, politics, it's, is it's never Everywhere. Polarizing. Everywhere. Right? Yeah, exactly. So how can somebody turn on the news and, and love a particular politician somebody turn on the same news and absolutely you know almost mm-hmm. throw up to see a, right. a particular politician no matter what country the politician is in but if you look at it you know that politician uh, may represent everything that the viewer absolutely hates but for the right. other person who loves that politician he, he or she probably came up with some kind of grant or or different tax or something the that helped their, business, help their family survive. Right. So that person's going to look at that politician and only tend to remember all the good things they good. did, right? Yeah. And the, the person who hates that politician is, it's no matter what word comes out of their mouth, it's just going to be, it's going to drive them crazy yeah. because they can only associate bad with them. So, but when we get to a place where and I mean, we could we could avoid so many needless arguments in life if we understand that, you know, it, it's not always right or wrong. It's it, it's who's doing the perceiving. Right. And, you know, I, I get into conversations about politics. Not a lot. Not a lot.
0: Right. I, I try to avoid it. And the, the name of the show, a lot of a lot of guests or a lot of people I, I reach out to are like, well, uh, I don't really want to be on a political show. And I'm like two parties, just two people talking. And and then once they hear that, they're like, Oh yeah, I'll be on there. But, but, and and I do do news headlines. I do do a little bit of politics, but I, I, for the most part, I'm one of those people that's completely sick of it. I'm tired of hearing about it. I I pray our elections get over with sooner than later, even though I know it's November 3rd, but it's like, I'm so tired of hearing about politics. I'm tired of turning the news on and not getting a good, feel good story, something positive. You don't even hear those anymore. You know, it's sad.
1: Yeah. And I mean, your news is just full of negativity. And and, and so that's another
0: reason I try to turn it off because I'm like, I don't want that coming into my head. I don't want to hear that that mind garbage.
1: Yeah. So that's like a conversation I try to avoid at all costs. But there's some talking about politics. But there's sometimes, you know, I'll get into an engaging conversation about politics, but I'll end it as soon as I feel that the vibe that is going to be, you're tension. wrong, you're right. I'm right. You're wrong. And it's yeah. like, you know, like because you know, there's people... no
0: progression there. There's no, there's no, there's no good conversation to be had. It's not productive. Exactly. It's not getting you know, anywhere.
1: Yeah. What's the point. And, yeah. and I, and I, those conversations, they don't happen anymore because people know I, I usually don't talk about it. <laughs> so I just, yeah. You know, it, talk about yeah it's,
0: it's one of those. And, and there's also, you know, there's people, I mean, I have tons of friends. I, I you know, on my personal Facebook page, I don't discuss politics. I don't discuss anything. If you look at my personal Facebook page, a lot of people have probably unfriended me now. I post all music because I love music. It, it brings yeah. peace to me. So yeah. I post a lot of music, new, old, weird. People probably think I'm just crazy because it's like one day it's country, one day it's rap, who knows? <laughs> um, it's just the mood I'm in. And, and But I don't post anything about po- politics. I don't post news articles. I don't post these things on my personal page because I have a lot of people that I care about that A, I don't wanna argue. B, I value relationships, and I don't want to break relationships over a misunderstanding, yeah. and I have private groups on Facebook and other areas that if I want to go talk politics or finances or things that you're not typically supposed to talk about, uh, I, there's groups for that, and and I, there's also, I have friends that I know that have very thick skin, and if I really am in a mood, I can always call one of them, and we can just cuss each other out all we want.
1: You know, it's, <laughs> exactly. it's just one of those
0: things with, right. if I want to go down that road, I can, but it's like self-induced torture. Why do it?
1: Yeah, exactly. And I mean, um, I, I got people in my family and my, some cousins and aunts and uncles, like they don't talk to each other because of that. Like they just disagree with this and now they're not talking. And I'm like, what? Really? It, life's, like, too life's too short.
0: Life's too short. It's wild. You talk, you talk, love, you talk love about love. meditation um, and this is interesting because I've actually, I had a conversation with one of our guests last week about meditation and his, what he does for meditation. Mm-hmm. I spoke with another guest the week before who actually brought up meditation again and, and what he does for meditation and his format of meditation. What is your take on meditation and, and what do you consider meditation?
1: Meditation to me, like, like we talked about earlier, we, the average person thinks thousands of thoughts every single day. So you know, the mind should be used for the most part, kind of like, um, you know, kind of like a muscle. So if you go to the gym, you do a bicep curl, you do mm-hmm. one, you do two, you do three, and you, you kind of can't lift up the, the, the weight for the fourth time. What do you do? You put it down, you take a rest. Mm-hmm. You know, a minute later, you, you can pick it up once, you can pick it up twice again. So when the mind needs to be considered and looked at like a muscle, it needs a rest periodically, not 24 hours a day, but it, it does need a rest to work the way it's supposed to work. So like the average person, like we said, they're, they're thinking thousands of thoughts. They're always lost inside of their mind. So when that happens, I mean, we're going to feel drained, especially if it's bad thoughts, especially if it's negative, you No, know, dwelling on bad things or fearing bad things. So meditation to me, it's basically just giving the mind a rest. And that's, you know, people call it presence. People call it mindfulness. People call it living in the present moment or in the now or whatever they want to call it. It's just basically being totally absorbed in what's going on right now. Like yeah. if, if we're, we're totally absorbed in each other right now, mm-hmm. we're meditating. Right. We don't yeah. have to sit down in the lotus position with our palms facing towards the stars to meditate. And, this, mm-hmm. you know, that's great. A lot of people do that every, every now and then I do it. Not often, right. but You know, every that, now and then. That's
0: why I brought that up, because that was one of the discussions we had is one guy said he sits in a quiet room and he kind of does, does some like yoga type meditation. Yeah. Uh, the other guy literally just, you know, he goes, finds a quiet room. Maybe he'll turn on some music. Maybe he won't. But he closes his eyes and just thinks of good things, thinks of thinks of where he wants to be or where he wants to go. Yeah, um, absolutely. So obviously, different 100%. levels, you know, everybody has a different perception of what meditation may
1: be. 100%. I, I, I teach something called active meditation, and I'm, I'm certainly not any pro at meditation, but mm-hmm. active meditation to me is basically, you can do anything and meditate at the same time. You know, one thing I do all the time, if I'm feeling kind of overwhelmed, I'm, I'll go into my kitchen and I'll take this organic Container of coconut oil, which is very very potent smell, a beautiful Mm -hmm. smell. I love it, and I'll take off the top and I'll put it right under my nose and I'll smell it. And because it's so potent, the aroma that smell just bang anchors me. Yeah, and I can't think about anything but just concentrate on that smell. Yeah, and maybe it's only five seconds that I'm in that present Mm -hmm. moment, but it's five seconds in that present moment, Mm -hmm. and uh, it's just my mind is just at ease. And like I said, maybe it's five or ten seconds, but it's it's better than nothing. You know, I say all the time, if you want to meditate. Uh, just sit in, it doesn't necessarily have to be a quiet room. Uh, Just try to hear as many sounds as you can. Mm -hmm. And maybe it is a quiet room. Well, you think it's quiet. And then maybe you start to hear a conversation out in the hallway or maybe somebody walking on the street. Concentrate all your energy on that conversation. And then once you register, you know, that you hear people talking, Mm -hmm. move on to a different sound. It could be a bug flying. And then when you hear that and you register it, move on to a different sound. And what's happening is that you're becoming so aware of what's happening right now, you're going deeper and deeper and deeper into the present moment to the point where you're not thinking. And that, that's, the, that's the end goal of, right. of meditation. The end goal is stop thinking, give the mind a rest. Mm. And there's so many different forms of, of meditation, but I love to do that that active meditation. It could be, you know, I'm looking out my window there now and I can see the ocean. It, maybe it's going down to the lake or the ocean and just listening to the ducks, yep. right? That's meditation. If you're absorbed, in in listening to ducks, yeah you know that's meditation but if you're just if you can hear the ducks and you're lost in yesterday or tomorrow that's not meditation but when you're absorbed in whatever it is that's meditation is giving the mind a rest and you know it's it's living in the present moment
0: that's really that's really a cool perspective i never really thought about it like that um and I, you know, when I was younger, I used to do a little bit of meditation, I guess, and, and kind of like what you would consider the stereotypical, like I tried sitting in silence and, you know, um, but, but it's funny that you bring that up because what I always ended up doing when I would try to meditate was I'd always single out a sound and then I would be distracted by another sound and I'd start focusing on that sound. Then I'd be distracted. And to me, I never thought that was meditation. I just thought, uh, am I just being distracted and I'm not a person that can meditate because I'm, maybe, my, maybe I have ADD, what's going on? I can't keep up. And, and, but you bring a good point up that, that the, the, the general focus in itself and even the, the change to the next direction is still a process where I'm giving my mind time to rest. Mm-hmm.
1: Yep, exactly. That, that makes a lot of sense. And so many people think that, you know, in order to become really good at meditation, you've got to hop on a plane and go to a different country and study under a master. And, you know, that's great if somebody wants to do that. But meditation in its essence just means, you know, resting the mind, like we rest a muscle. And it's hard, especially for people who are constantly lost in their heads, like, like I used to be. And, you know, I'm still lost in my, heads, in my head a lot of the time, but not mm-hmm. as much as before. So meditation is just taking a minute, taking a second, an hour, whatever it may be, an hour is yep. a long time, but just, just living in the present moment and absorbing ourselves in that present moment. Because when we live in that present moment, even if it's for a minute or two, mm-hmm. you know, the mind is at rest. We're not dwelling on bad. We're not fearing bad. So yeah. we're, we're literally not trained in that time. We're not training our eyes to focus on bad. So, yeah. you know, and it's, it's all connected. You know, it could help sleep. It could help relationships. It could help, you know, the ability, the momentum, the drive, the gumption to get up and go for a walk. Or, you know, the last thing we want to do when we're completely dwelling on all kinds of things is to go exercise. Is right. It, you know, so there's so many different things that meditation can help with is just, it's amazing. But it, it takes that first step. And it's I'm not going to say it's easy because it's right. not. But it's uh, and that's why, you know, reaching out to somebody who's really good at that w- would be great no matter who that person mm-hmm. is. So
0: um, you do you do seminars, you do some talking. Um, what, tell us a little bit about that. What does that look like? Do you do you do you travel around? I mean, obviously, with COVID and everything kind of how it is, it probably puts a hamper on a few things. But um, what are some t- tell us a little bit about what you do on that front a- a professionally and, and how you go travel around and do those?
1: Yeah sure so um I I wrote 3 books the first one being The Power of the Mind How I Beat OCD which was all about my story and and I'll you know kind of uh, tell right off the bat, it's, it's no, it's not a book that is about solutions. It's just about what I went through because I didn't have any solutions. So, so
0: it's your story, your testimony at the story. end of the day.
1: Yeah, exactly. The second book is called the solution. Learn how to truly beat stress and anxiety. And the third one is called calm your mind, uh, transform your life, which is about to come out. Uh, there was a short run of it came out for a tour I was doing but it's going to be out in stores I'd say within maybe six or seven months okay um, that book is kind of like the second book but a, a bigger edition so okay. you get that book you don't need the second so book. it
0: kind of stacks onto the second book
1: exactly okay. so and and uh, for the past I'd say maybe 12 13 14 years I've been traveling around the country uh, I've done a few documentaries but uh, for the most part doing presentations. Mm -hmm. to to show people how to calm their minds, to give them practical ways and tips to calm their mind. And then I created a website called the calmyourmindmethod.com. And uh, in the calmyourmindmethod.com, I I, I share tips and and tricks and strategies just to help people experience the, the bliss and peace of the present moment. And on that website... I have free training. I have a, a blog that people can subscribe to for free. The free training, of course, is free. And uh, so, yeah, since COVID, uh, no live presentations, right. at least in person, of course. Yeah, uh, But I do presentations online um, all the time. I have training online. We call it... Um, uh, accelerated learning, uh, mm-hmm. one is coming up, um, actually Thursday. We do one a month uh, as a four week program. So yeah, it's, uh, I'm kept busy. I absolutely love doing what I do. as You, you can probably tell because cool. yeah. I yeah. went through it. I went through it. I, you know, I walked a walk and, yeah. um, it was tough. So I know, I know this sounds cliche, but uh, as long as I can help one person, I mean that, that means the world to me. So I continue yeah. to do that. I have a, a YouTube channel. We almost, we're almost at a hundred thousand subscribers. Nice. So uh, really pumped about that because the more people hear the message um, you know, the more people can get help. So yeah. anybody who wants to check it out, they can go to the calm your mind method.com sign up for some free training or, or read the blog. There's lots of uh, blog posts. there, kind of diving deeper, into the subjects we talked about uh, here today.
0: Excellent. I, and, and, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting. You mentioned about, you know, uh, while it may sound cliche and, and we hear it a lot about helping people, uh, even one person, um, the past, uh, last week I, I spent a lot of time. I don't usually go live on my Facebook, my personal page. I, I'll do it for the podcast page and stuff like that. Um, but, but I, I just felt, felt compelled last week and I finally went on live, uh, and, and just kind of sent a message out. Um, you know, my, my past, I've dealt with addiction. I've dealt with, um, of all kinds. I, I've lived through, if you said it couldn't be done, I, I'm the guy that went and did it. And, and, and I, and I got the trophy and I got the shirt and I've got everything to go along with, with, with what, what my stupid poor decision was. And so at the same time, um, you know where I'm at nowadays. Uh, obviously, I'm no—I I say I'm no longer an addict, but you know they always say you're—you're well, you're one step away from being an addict again. Um, but but I haven't used in years. I haven't drank. I don't smoke. I don't—I don't do anything anymore. I—I've I kind it. of become the person I used to think was a joke. Um, but at the end of the day, what my message was last week was uh, for us to help people. Uh, I, so I, I did a live, and I meant to go on there for like 10, 15 minutes, and I caught myself literally 45 minutes later, still live, still talking to my friends, still talking to people back home. And I'm from Florida. I grew up in Florida. I've been all over the United States, but I grew up mainly in Florida. And uh, you know, I can't even count now. I've lost count. That's how severe it is over the, the, the amount of friends that I've lost over addictions and overdoses. I've lost the amount, uh, the amount of friends that have died from suicide. Uh, the amount of friends that have literally uh, just making a poor decision, uh, lost their life. And so my message last week was, was just exactly what you were saying is, is if, if I could help one person by going live and, and, and offer them any kind of call me, uh, email me, message me, whatever it may take, call me or reach out to someone else. And that was my message. And, and like you said, the, the thing that, that, that where I'm at in life now is using this platform as well as, as just being in, in general when I go out of my house, when I go, go to the grocery store. Um, I'm very genuine and I'm very intentional in my relationships and, and that means strangers. That means whoever it may be. A, a matter of, you know, to help somebody is a matter of holding a door, um, giving a compliment, smiling at somebody. You never know what that person's going through in that moment. So you could have a person whose husband just beat them to death and then sent them to the store to get something to eat. And you're, you're, you're literally engaged with that person opening a door, just a smile on your face just a compliment on her, on maybe her outfit or something could be enough to, to, to get her out of the abuse she's going through in the moment, the depression she's going through in the moment and possibly change that person's day. Could be the opposite. It could be somebody, it could be the abuser who's abused the children and the wife. And and maybe in that moment, you were kind enough that they, when they go home, they might treat the wife or the kids better. Um, and so my message last week was kind of that is, is I'm at a point in my life now where I, I try to use this platform to help others. I try to, in my own personal life, do whatever I can to help others. And while I don't always do it financially, I, you know, part of that message was I do find myself sometimes doing it financially. I find still friends of mine that I know are addicts that call me and they're like, hey, you know, can you send me 20 bucks? And I know full well they're in addict mode and people are like, don't enable them. And I say, you know what, if it's on my heart to do it for them, because one day, many, many years ago, I was an addict and there was one person that sent me 20 bucks and, and whether I used it to use or whether I actually used it to go do something productive with it, that person to this day is still a friend of mine. And I remember the gesture they did. And it brought me out of that much more of that addiction. Amazing. And even if I didn't get clean on that moment, I got clean later. And I remember and reflected on it. I never forgot that that one person was kind to me. And so I do use this platform to help. And, and so what you said by, by everything you're doing, uh, for our audience to be able to hear what you're doing, um, uh, it, it, I, It is, you know, you hear it, it's cliche. People think it's cliche. Uh, To me, it's not. What you're doing is helping people. Uh, And I respect and love that because that's where I'm at, you know, whatever it takes. And it doesn't take money and it doesn't take, it literally takes, and people don't realize it, it literally just takes action. That's it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Smile takes action. Uh, Opening a door takes action. Um, Somebody somebody in the drive-thru, you're driving through a drive-thru, buy the meal behind you, the car behind you, buy their meal. And and they don't even need to know who you are. You drive off, you never see each other again, but that may have made their day. Maybe they're broke. Maybe they're suffering through coronavirus stuff going on. Um, so, so I I encourage everybody to help, um, other people. That's what I do on this platform. It's what I do in my personal life. So I I respect what you just said because it, it hits home with what my whole past week has been. And I've jumped on live several times in the past week and said the same message over again, just to remind people, I had a friend of mine, um, a neighbor of mine and friend uh, about three months ago, I want to say three, maybe four months ago, um, took his own life. Um, his son came over to visit him. Nobody could get a hold of the guy. Um, there were some red flags that me and my wife had. This is a guy that would come over to our house all the time. He lived basically across the street and there, there was, he was going through a divorce. His wife just decided I'm done with this and she just left him and he was depressed and he, he would tell us, I'm, I'm depressed, I'm lonely. And it, there just came a point where I was like, I was seeing the red flags, but I was like, this is a guy who was a fire, you know, like a fire chief. This guy is very strong. You know, this guy, I would have never thought in a million years would do that. And one day his son comes over and I get a yell. I'm on the back porch watching TV and I get a yell from my wife that they need me over there. And I, I literally run out the door. I kind of felt something was wrong. Uh, he had been acting weird. I jumped the fence. I run over there and the son's there. And he said, I can't go in. The door's open. And sure enough, I walk in and he shot himself right in the head and he was right there in front of me. Um, And while I would witnessed many horrible things in my life, um, I guess this was very fresh. This was very new as opposed to some of the stuff I had witnessed earlier in life that that maybe didn't impact me as much, or maybe I didn't have the emotional bond uh, that I, that it mattered that much then. Um, and, And so it was just horrific. And again, that's why I preach about and I use this platform to say, if we can reach one person, if we can prevent one suicide like that, um, just by being intentional, just by being uh, in somebody's life, like you said, in the moment, um, take every moment, you know, don't be in a hurry to end in a conversation if it's the most annoying person in the world, and just to walk away and get back into your life, use that moment to be genuine and intentional, because you never know if you're looking someone in the eye who's going to do exactly what he did. Um, and so I always, I always try to remind people of that, um, our life, our life on this planet's short and, you know, I, I know at 44 years, I feel like I've wasted a lot of my life. Um, but at the same time, I know just as you just said, uh, to, to live in the moment right now and use every moment I have until I'm dead, uh, to maybe be an impact to one person, let alone be an impact to maybe several dozen before I die or my wife or my son, or maybe his friends when they're over hanging out. Um, using that time to be genuine and intentional means so much to me these days. Um, and that's what I try to do. Um, and I see that with you. I mean, obviously, you know, it, there's something to be said about someone who's willing to take that, spend their time, whether it's for, you know, as a business or, or even just, you know, as something they enjoy doing, but to go and bring your story and your, uh, profession to someone else and what your profession really is, is helping. Uh, and I have the, the utmost respect for people that do
1: that. I really appreciate you saying that and I appreciate you sharing uh, that bit of your life. And, you know, you know, more than anybody, so many, so much of the time when you open up to somebody else, they usually got a story too. Mm -hmm. Oh my God, I didn't know you went through that. I'm going through that. My son is going through that. They, They can relate somehow. And I hear it all the time. One of the most impactful ways to help somebody is to share your personal story. And, um, you know, it's, it's, and then when you do that, you know, it's just, it's a snowballing effect. Mm-hmm. Then they're, they're more eager to let something off of their chest. Or like you said, if, if something as simple as opening up the door for somebody, you, you could have changed that person's day. Yep. Exactly. You know, and, and it's so, and you said that so beautifully, you know, opening up a door, saying oh, your hat is so lovely or whatever that is, yep. that could just, even for that split second, mm-hmm. take them out of their head. Yep. For that's And that, that could literally make all the difference in the world. Mm-hmm. And it's only a one sentence thing it's only once it only takes a second but it's those little tiny things and i'm telling you it and i can, i can obviously see that you you've changed uh, uh certainly changed people's lives and that will snowball that mm-hmm. will because people hold on to that yeah when somebody genuinely helps them they hold on to that so good on you and i and i really appreciate you sharing that
0: yeah, for sure. Um, is there any other information you want to tell us about where, where our audience can find you? Anything coming up um, that, that, that maybe they can catch you on? Um, I want them to go to your YouTube. I want them to go to your website. I want them to see some of your, your different, um, I'd love for them to, get, to pick up some of your books. Tell us where we can get those. Um, let us know all of that.
1: Yeah, sure. So um, the main place to go is the Calm Your Mind Method com. So when they go there, they can sign up for free training. They can listen to the blog. Uh, every month I have a four-week accelerator program. If they wanted to sign up to that, we're actually starting. Now, depending on when, when you publish this, this is yep. starting this coming Thursday. So I'd leave I'm hoping
0: way. to get this out today or
1: tomorrow. Oh, great. So yeah. yeah this so immediate.
0: Thursday.
1: Yep. Uh, this coming Thursday, we have a four-week program, which is basically an hour a week of live teaching. Uh, and then I keep in touch with the people uh, every, every couple of days and give them practical tips and emails and that kind of thing. But awesome. it's actually live training that they, they see me. And uh, so, yeah, I can't wait to do that. But the blog, the YouTube channel, the articles, uh, the free training, and of course the accelerated training, everything is at the calmyourmindmethod.com.
0: Excellent. Excellent. Um, where do you, I, I like to ask my I always I like to hit the guest with some kind of odd question uh, always. And, and so with you, um, your story is great. And, and so with you, I think the question that's on my mind is where do you see yourself and where, what is the vision of where you want to be in say 10 years?
1: 10 years from now, I definitely want to be doing, uh, what I'm doing now, whatever that, however that looks, you know, in right. this world, God, yeah. God only knows how that's going to look. Uh, but definitely along the same path, doing what I'm doing now with a family, I don't have any kids now, but, mm-hmm. uh, with a family and, um, you know, just, just reaching more people, reaching that, that was always one of my biggest goals. And mm-hmm. that's why, you know, I'm very proud of my YouTube channel. We're almost at a hundred thousand subscribers and anybody can go watch any of those videos for free. And um, you know, we're helping a lot of people there. So just, just getting the message out. And um, I hope, I hope one day we'll be able to get back on the road after, you know, the world calms down yeah. and get, because I love meeting people one-on-one, like physically, one on after the presentations. I just, this
0: pandemic's of killing months. me. It's killing me yeah. not to be able to just go and have, you know, have those meetings with people. It's just killing yeah. me.
1: Yep. So, uh, same with me. So hopefully, hopefully the world gets back to normal sooner than later and everybody's safe and and, and as healthy as we can be. Yep. But yeah, just reaching the more people I can uh, through, through podcasts like this. And really, I uh, really appreciate the opportunity, Dean, by the way. And, you know, through the books, through the YouTube channel, through the free training, whatever it may be. And, For sure. uh, you know, just, just doing what I'm doing.
0: Well, hopefully things, you know, things get better with the pandemic and then things lift up. And I'm obviously, you know, um, I, I've stated before uh, last week, and uh, like I said on a few of these lives, that, that with this pandemic, we really got to take even more time to kind of re- be genuine in, in our relationships with people we do interact with at this time, because there, this is, has caused a lot more depression. It has caused a higher suicide rate. So we really do got to be genuine. Um, so, so yeah, man. Hopefully, in ten years from now, man, your 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 names in lights. You're doing this, and you're leading the industry of what you already do, and that you get to continue to do something that you enjoy doing. Um, I, I think it's amazing. I think you got a great story and, um, I'm gonna, I'm going to definitely be working on getting this up probably today. Latest, awesome. it'll be tomorrow. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to ask you real quick while we're here live, uh, just to make sure to send me all the links. Cause I'm going to post those up as well. Sure. Um, but I want to, I want to have, I have an opportunity to get you on the show, um, in the future again, and maybe we, we can touch to. base, do, you know, kind of get some updates on where we're at maybe after this whole pandemic and kind of see where things are
1: at. Um, So in the future, I'd love to have you on again, man. Yeah, consider it done. I really appreciate this opportunity, Dean. And we'll we'll certainly be talking.
0: For sure. Will you you go ahead and send me all the links to everything I need in an email? And I will, um, as soon as I get all this done, I'll get it edited up. I'll send you a link and you'll see it live. Sounds great. Perfect, man. Have a great day.
1: You too, man. We'll talk to you soon. Yep.